It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. <laughs> hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Let me hear it, boys. Let me hear it. Cheer. There we go. That is the uh, nephews. It's Patrick J. Smithwick J. They're uh, here at the Working Man's Beach, and they have run uh, the great P-Man ragged today. Great Scott. They've also... uh, Caused me to spend a lot of money at uh, lunch, at least uh, Patrick J. did. Flushed it right down the toilet, exactly. Welcome in, everybody. It is uh, the Patrick Johnson Show. We're live from the uh, Working Man's Beach of uh, Surf City today. Thank you for uh, being with us uh, as uh, we've got uh, some comments today coming in your pirate report. Very uh, latest there from uh, quarterback Mason Garcia. And uh, Wood, the uh, Julius Wood, the uh, safety, will be uh, on the program uh, today, uh, at least uh, in some comments made uh, after the weekend practice. Uh, we'll hear more from Coach Houston tomorrow. Pirates will have their second uh, full pad practice tomorrow before the scrimmage on Saturday inside of Dowdy Ficklin Stadium that morning. Uh, also, uh, talk a little golf with our friend Brian Mull, golf, golf writer from down Wilmington Way. Uh, couldn't get Brian up here to the studios this time around, so we will uh, get him on the phone as we get ready for the uh, PGA first round of the uh, FedEx playoffs. Uh, and, of course, uh, lots of things to cover here locally. Uh, it was a, uh, a matter of a little over 12 hours, two victories for uh, the team out of uh, Winterville, the Southeast team in the softball Little League World Series playing. Uh, at home, essentially. Uh, they had that uh, defeat the other day, but uh, bounced back to beat uh, Asia Pacific 4-2 last night and then uh, knocked off Central, Central Regional Champs out of Ohio uh, and uh, just walked the dog on them. It was a huge first inning, seven runs in the first, and they end up winning 16-1. to So uh, they advance. They will take on the loser of the game between Southwest, which is the uh, team out of Texas that defeated them 6-1 in the uh, first game, Hewitt, Texas, the defending champs, and uh, Team North Carolina out from the western part of the state. Uh, so that'll be happening tomorrow, as will uh, a couple of, uh, or actually another game in the uh, Little League Softball World Series, Mid-Atlantic and Latin America play. The loser will then play uh, New England, the winner, advances like the winner of Southwest and uh, North Carolina advances to the uh, purple final. So Southeast still has a chance to get there on the 12th, uh, but they will have to uh, come back tomorrow, actually day after tomorrow and play Friday for that opportunity to get to Saturday's uh, purple bracket final. And then they will uh, have an opportunity if they win to get into the championship. So that is uh, the latest there. It's been a, a really Fantastic event and a signature event uh, this year for Little League. One other thing they're doing tomorrow, um, the Athletes Unlimited Pro Games will be uh, played. Team Romero, uh, Sid Romero, the great uh, star, uh, Team Davidson, Team uh, 
Faremo and uh, Team Alexander. These are the uh, pro games involving uh, softball and some of the great softball stars of college softball. They're going to play that at the uh, Joyner Family Stadium at East Carolina, and both those games will be televised on ESPN2 uh, tomorrow at 4.30 and at 7 from uh, beautiful uh, Joyner Family Stadium in Greenville where the ECU softball team plays. There's also a little bit of uh, rough weather forecast for tomorrow. We'll, we'll hone in on some of that a little more, but uh, that obviously could play a factor in those uh, pro games that will be played again at 4.30 and 7 tomorrow, and uh, a national audience will be able to look in on ESPN2. All right, uh, we uh, have Clark Willis producing today, uh, as you uh, heard a moment ago. Uh, the one and only Clark Willis. Nobody like him. I am. Uh, Clark, everything good? Man, rocking out, man. Okay, good, good. Uh, Clark will have uh, all the stuff dialed up for our pirate report early uh, uh, coming up tomorrow, or next segment. I'm sorry. Tomorrow, uh, we're going to have uh, Brett Friedlander with us from Saturday Road. Covers the ACC. Brett has covered the Atlantic Coast Conference for years. Uh, give you the latest here on what's going on with uh, the ACC and Cal and Stanford and uh, possibly SMU in just a bit. Uh, but we'll have Brett Friedlander on uh, tomorrow live with us during the show. And then on Friday, take note, we'll be on at 10 a.m. on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube live. Steve Logan will be the guest. Uh, we have some other uh, interesting guests planned uh, that day for you as well on Friday. And then uh, we'll be back here with the radio version of that at 5 o'clock on the Patrick Johnson Show here on 94.3 The Game. That is Friday. But uh, if you want to see Coach Logan and the wit and wisdom of Coach Logan on display, uh, tune in uh, at uh, 10 a.m. on our Facebook and uh, Twitter feeds, and we'll have the uh, video for you uh, Friday morning. And that'll be what we're uh, planning to do. Uh, for much of the football season. Definitely have to do it a week from Friday because on the 18th, that is my anniversary, and my wife has already made uh, major plans for us. So there you go. Uh, all right, to uh, Stanford, uh, Cal, the ACC, and SMU, David Hale, uh, who covers the ACC for ESPN and others, uh, tweeting out this morning, the ACC continues to seriously evaluate adding Cal, Stanford, and SMU. All would come in at a reduced share. I'm told the numbers would at least ensure no current schools saw diminished revenue, but still some question on how much of the boost it could be. Presidents uh, meet today. More clarity expected. That, again, was David Hale uh, tweeting that out uh, a few hours ago. Uh, an article that hit just before midnight last night, Troy Taylor, who's the coach of Stanford, saying he can't imagine other than Power 5 football being played at Stanford saying that the players uh, that have committed to the uh, Cardinal program have done so with the expectation that uh, they're going to be uh, playing in a Power 5 conference. We know the ACC presidents met Tuesday morning to discuss the possibility of adding Stanford and Cal, but the uh, matter was not voted on. And here's the key for the ACC. A couple of key things there. Uh, 15 members, so 12 would have to vote yes to add anybody. And uh, that, you know, I, I wouldn't say that that is not going to happen, but obviously you have 15 different opinions of how this thing should uh, be handled. But all we're, one thing we have learned in all this, there's strength in numbers. Um, the other 
thing that is kind of being looked at. There's a date of the 15th, which is uh, six days from today. And uh, there can be a declaration that you're going to leave the conference for the 24 season on the 15th. Now, that's where some of the Florida State comments from their uh, university leadership had people a little uneasy last week saying that they were on the path to leaving. Now, they also said it would kind of be explored over the next year. But as I understand it, they're locked in for two years if they don't declare their intent to depart on the 15th. Now, what we know, the departure fee for the ACC is in the uh, neighborhood of uh, $120 million. That's just your fee to exit. And then you're foregoing all of the money that you would make from wherever you wind up conference-wise in a new TV deal, if it's $100 million a year in the Big Ten, for example, for the duration of that ACC media contract, which goes to 2036, all that money comes to the Atlantic Coast Conference. So you're deferring all of that money to go to the ACC. So how would you operate your, your athletic department, especially in this uh, day and age? And certainly $40 million is better than having to give $100 million to someone else. So uh, we'll see how the ACC deals with the logistical travel across the country. The other thing I find interesting is they have 15 members, but as we know, uh, 14 in football. So if you add the three members from out west, including SMU in that, that gets you up to, yes, 18 overall members, but just 17 that play football. So I wonder, is there someone else who might be willing to do what apparently SMU is reportedly saying they will do? SMU saying they'll go forever how many years without any kind of uh, payout coming in from uh, the ACC, which seems crazy to me, but I, they feel like they could pay the exit fee easily to get out of the American. There's no grant of rights in the American, but there is an exit fee in the uh, AAC. So uh, we'll have Brett Friedlander on tomorrow. He'll have a little more on this, but that's kind of the latest as we sit here today uh, at uh, 510 on this uh, Wednesday. And uh, we're kind of T-minus six days and counting to uh, see if anybody from the ACC is going to try to declare the fact that they're going to leave for the 24-25 season. They would have to pay a ton of money if they did. And uh, there's no real serious indication that anybody would is willing to do that. Everybody seems content to stand pat for the next couple of years. It will be interesting to see uh, if the you know the ads in the uh, in the league decide that the name Stanford and Cal would be worth bringing in and, and worth the cross country travel. I, I would think while you have SMU, that's still that's still nowhere near California. It's closer than you know, Miami or, or Chapel Hill, but it's still nowhere close. I wonder if there might be another institution, and this is just me wondering out loud, that inevitably may come over. I mean, could that be San Diego State possibly? It, the ACC is so interesting because you have the private institutions. Uh, I think SMU, if they came in and, and Stanford, it's two more added to that. And I think SMU would have the second smallest stadium in the ACC. Uh, they they would have the smallest season ticket base in football, but they would have the uh, small and, and a lot of Wake Forest's season ticket base has been established in recent years. And also, uh, whenever they play Clemson and Winston Salem, 
all the Clemson fans come in and snap up the tickets. Same thing for Florida State and NC State and UNC to a degree. Uh, so that, that helps the Wake Forest cause with their season tickets. Uh, but as far as SMU goes, that's one of the big things that people are sort of complaining about uh, that follow the ACC as fans is uh, this is not really bringing anything to the uh, table. Now, it does bring the Dallas Metro. You bring a school with a pretty healthy endowment. By the way, the uh, Stanford endowment is into the billions of dollars. I mean, it's a ton of money. And you compare that to NC State, $750 million, but it is uh, it is one point something billion, the Stanford endowment. And Cal's got a pretty healthy endowment, too. In fact, Stanford, with all of their athletics out of that endowment, they pay all of their scholarships. Reportedly, Duke's close to doing that, too. They're not there yet, but they are uh, headed on their way to doing that. So, obviously, they're playing with a little bit uh, bigger money, paper money, folding money in the uh, ACC and uh, – I always look at this through the prism of East Carolina and that uh, I, I wish ECU had the problem of $40 million not being enough. Boy, that would be that'd be quite a problem to have. All right, uh, 5.13, let's break. We'll come back. We're live this week at the Working Man's Beach Surf City doing the show uh, for you all the rest of the week. And uh, we're going to return and we'll have a pirate report for you here from Mason Garcia and more on the other side. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Pirates uh, back in shells today after a full pad practice yesterday. They'll go back to full pads tomorrow, then helmets Friday, and then the first scrimmage of two in the uh, fall, fall pre-season uh, uh, camp in uh, Dowdy Ficklin Stadium on Saturday morning. Uh, Mason Garcia spoke uh, to the media over the weekend, and uh, we're getting to get uh, some of his thoughts, Julius Wood's thoughts. But let's start with uh, the Pirate quarterback. Uh, he evaluated the first week of practice, cut 12 on the vast soundbite roster. It's going good. You know, the one thing that sticks out to me is everybody's competing really well. You know, everybody's flying around. Like I was just talking to Julius out there in the um, hallway. And it's like it feels like a game every play. So that's a good thing for both sides of the ball, being able to uh, work that fast on every play and uh, execute plays like that. And, you know, defense is giving us a good look as well. So going good. Speaking of that defense, Mason Garcia says the Pirate uh, defense is throwing a lot at the offense. It's good because, you know, the defense is throwing a lot at us. So it's like uh, picking up things. That was one thing I was lacking on a little bit, you know, in the past. But uh, being able to pick these things up and, uh, like I said, the defense is doing a great job. You know, just being able to get on the same page with everybody, the receivers, running backs, of course, the line as well. You know, that's all going to come. But these two days have been pretty good, and everybody's competing their butt off. Comments over the weekend from uh, Pirate quarterback Mason Garcia, who says uh, he feels like the whole offense is starting to come together. There's a guy that returned last year, like, you know, Josiah, uh, Jalen, Shane Calhoun, you know, Kerry King, you know, all those guys are, you know, they're, they're what we want, want them to be. You know, they're coming out there, you know, they're not – they're not taking a rep off. You know, they're doing what they have to do to come out there and compete. And um, that's what we need in this league to, to win. So I think those guys are sticking out a lot. And, of course, our backs are doing a really good job as well. And, of course, O-line, too. I mean, the whole offense is coming together. So, All right. Uh, you heard him mention Jalen there, Jalen Johnson, and uh, Mason Garcia talking about uh, the Georgia transfer moving to slot receiver. Right. I mean, and with our offense, you know, it's it's we want to get it to the H as much as we can. So, uh, with him being there and him knowing football really well and him being able to know our offense pretty good is um, helping us out a lot and helping me out a lot, helping all of our quarterbacks out a lot. Um, the way he competes is really good as well, and all of our slots are doing a really good job too. Um, 
but yeah, Jalen's doing a good job, you know, competing, running really well. He's healthy, you know, so, I mean, Jalen's just going to keep getting better every day. And we're here for Basic Garcia. He talks about how his pre-snap reads have evolved. Like I said uh, in the beginning, you know, taking my uh, preparation to a next level, uh, I wouldn't say I lacked that. It was just more of me uh, knowing how to do it. Uh, but, yeah, that's helped me out a lot. Um, like you said, you got these, we got really good talent outside of me. So if we can just run the offense and get the guys the balls, we'll be pretty successful. Um, more from Mason Garcia here, uh, communication. He talked about how that is going with the offensive line, which kind of goes hand in hand with those pre-snap reads as well. Yeah. I mean, it starts with the center, uh, uh, Hampton Ergo is doing a really good job. Um, you got, uh, Isaiah foot. That's a, a veteran, uh, outside of him. You got Walt Stribling. You got Richard Pierce and, um, uh, Richard Pierce and, uh, Parker Moore. They're doing a great job. You know, they're, they're all, they all either played a snap or two or, you know, understand the system really well. So. Them being out there helping me out a lot, maybe I go one way, they're directing me the other way, let's do it. And you, they, they can see it as well as I can. So, you know, just uh, believing in them, you know, and then believing in me, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help everything out. You know, and there seems to be some depth uh, this year. Pirates really only kind of played with five last year. There's a little more depth along the offensive line, which is a good thing. Uh, that unit has also been banged up in past years at times. So uh, a little bit more depth there, but Mason, Got to remember those offensive linemen's names, buddy. You got to you got to do that because uh, you'll find yourself really needing to rely on those guys. I'm kidding, of course, but uh, Mason will will handle that fine. Final thing from the great Mason Garcia, he says uh, he's enjoying playing with his high school teammate Josh Murphy. Really, just knowing what he's going to do. Um, he's uh, he's a very like smart football player, so he knows how to you know get open or you know if there's a hot, he knows how to do that. But you know, just having that connection with him and knowing what he's going to do. And um, he knows what he knows how I play as well. So I mean, helping each other out and getting to this level is is huge. One of the uh, real game day guys is Julius Wood, the Pirate safety. We're hearing from him now on our Pirate Report, and uh, he gives us his evaluation over the weekend after uh, week one of fall camp. It's going really good right now. Um, the effort of our defense and the uh, whole team is just looking good out there. Everybody's running around. Everybody looking good, just having fun with it. Um, the, the chemistry of our team, that's something that we need to work on, but it's coming together. And just everything looks bright for the Pirates. So uh, he talked about, because what is a guy that likes to, to lay a lick on you? Uh, and this was prior, of course, to the to the first uh, full contact practice but uh, and the full pad practice. But Julius Wood says being in shells is a little frustrating, especially not being able to take guys to the ground. It's very frustrating, like, Playing football, knowing that you can't hit just yet, so you, uh, it's just learning how to practice uh, in college in, uh, environment. You just gotta um, protect each other because we all a team. So uh, you gotta know when the days when we're uh, just studying and the days where we're hitting live, and it do frustrate you sometimes because uh, as a football player, you want to hit, you want to take them down, especially as you, if you're a defensive player. So yeah, it frustrates. You. More from uh, Julius uh, Wood, and uh, this will be him uh, talking about that uh, the guys are not competing against each other, but rather with each other. Yeah, the competition is good right now. Um, everybody's competing. Everybody wants to start a job, so that's always good to have a, a, a competitive environment. Um, so we just all working together, and we're not um, against each other. We're working with each other, so we all just encouraging each other and just growing with, with each other. And this is Julius Wood on being a leader in the defensive back room. I embraced it. Uh, just by like wanting to help people and just wanting to uh, see other guys do good 
and just um, I feel like with the way our team is, how they're so young, um, I, I see myself in their position. And I, I just want to leave them with tips and guiding pointers and stuff like that just so they can um, have, have a heads up on things. Because sometimes when you was that young and you didn't have the advice, it'll um, it help another person out. So sometimes I just look at those young guys and just want to help them. And Julius Wood says his journey uh, through the JUCO ranks to ECU has been a blessing. I see it as a blessing. And I thank God every morning. Um, it just uh, amazes me, like, how life can uh, take you in different directions and just turn it around for you. Uh, so I just thank God every day for it, and I'm shooting for the stars. All right, that's Julius Wood. That's today's Pirate Report. We'll hear from Coach Houston tomorrow. And, uh, of course, on Friday we'll have Steve Logan with us uh, as uh, he'll be starting the uh, Steve Logan Show two weeks from Friday, 5 o'clock right here on 94.3 The Game. Every Friday, don't worry, we'll be there as well. Uh, we'll follow the Logan Show on Fridays at 6 o'clock. Uh, Doug Martin will be back with us this season to give us his uh, take on uh, pirate football and the college football landscape uh, as well. Okay, timeout. We'll come back. Uh, time to talk a little golf. Did you know that this week that uh, Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour uh, president, had another players' meeting? It's one of those deals if a tree falls in a forest and there's nobody around, does it make a noise? That's kind of what you can say it's akin to. I mean, you had guys coming out of a workout going in there and staying for a few minutes and leaving. So uh, the details on that and more when we get back. Brian Mull, golf writer, will be with us on the PJ Show. Sometimes you just don't know if you want to kiss him or slap him. Either way, he'd probably like it. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Back in on the Patrick Johnson Show, golf writer Brian Mull. And uh, you can follow him on Twitter slash X at BG Mull. Lots to uh, discuss with the first round of the FedEx Cup playoffs. I know you've been talking to a lot of college basketball coaches about their rosters, but also conference uh, expansion and musical chairs. So I want to I want to talk to you about that. But let's start with the golf side of things first, uh, Brian. But before we do, how the heck are you? I'm doing well. Hope you are, Patrick. I am. I thought it was interesting to read this morning that Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA Tour, met with some golfers at TPC Southwind in Memphis yesterday. And it was kind of an uneventful and poorly attended meeting, a, a little more than two dozen. And Tom Hoagie's comments were interesting, talking about a lot of moving parts have to come together. So it, all of a sudden there's some doubt being casted on the PGA Tour live merger. Yeah, there are a lot of moving parts. I think that is a great way to explain it. I mean, we do uh, have a schedule for the PGA Tour for the upcoming year, it looks very similar with a few shuffling, you know, uh, to some of the signature events going to a no-cut format and uh, a couple of dates being moved a little here or there. But it looks very familiar, um, I would say, in general, not too different than what we expected. And uh, we've heard no uh, more conversation about any of the live players playing on the PGA Tour or perhaps – Coming back, uh, they're one of the top uh, tour brass, Andy Pazder, who has been in a very high management, senior management role with the tour for uh, probably 30 years and was kind of 
had been appointed by Monaghan to uh, oversee the, the committee that was going to figure out how to compensate the players, the stars who do not go to live. He resigned suddenly, uh, effective yesterday. And uh, that is kind of interesting news to me. So it sounds like, uh, yeah, a bit of unrest, turmoil. I think a lot of the players are uh, just not really interested in uh, getting too involved in the politics or the future because they're, the now is much more imp- important. They have an opportunity right. to make a boatload of FedEx cash here in the next few weeks, and uh, they'll have plenty of time in the offseason to worry about the future. I, you know, I also – and I understand what you're saying there, but like it or not, these guys have to know this is the future. Uh, correct. Yeah. I mean, they, they are still, by all counts, working towards this so-called uh, agreement or this merger or this acceptance of uh, Saudi public investment fund money at the very least and, and giving uh, to, to bolster the purses and to alleviate some of the pressure from the tour of having to generate sponsors and uh you know the way the schedule shapes out now uh there'll be you know let's say 10 to 12 weeks where all the best pga tour players are assembled and and still only only four weeks where uh all of the best players in the world are together and those of course are the majors so um it's uh i think the the goal for all of us as golf fans is we would like to see that number increase Golf writer Brian Mulds on the line with us at BG Mull is where you can follow him on the uh, Twitter machine. And uh, he uh, tweets all kinds of interesting stuff during uh, the week and uh, all kinds of interesting stuff during tournaments. So with, with Jay Monahan back, I guess, last month after the medical emergency in June, uh, that return, at least, I think, to the casual sports fan, kind of quiet. So... When you look at his return and you look at the attendance in this meeting and, uh, you know, Monaghan's rubbed some people the wrong way. What do you see as Monaghan's future in this whole structure and and with the tour long term? I think he survives in one way or another. I don't know that the players necessarily uh, under the current alignment have the power to, to get rid of him alone. And uh, I think, uh, you know, Brian Harmon has come out in support of him. And, and generally from the top players, uh, Rom and Rory, you know, the, while they feel like their trust may have been violated, they're still in support of Jay Monahan being the leader and, and navigating through this, uh, this very tumultuous time. But I think a lot of the players, too, are just tired of hearing it. I mean, look, if you, if you attended these meetings and mandatory meetings and such in the last – 18 months and you heard one, one thing and then, and then something completely different happens. I, I could under, certainly understand why you would not want to be bothered with going in there and listening to the latest and greatest. So um, I think, uh, I think Monaghan finds a way to survive. I, I wasn't sure of that initially. Um, I don't know what capacity, whether he's still the commissioner of the PGA tour per se, or if he takes on a role uh, maybe, somehow uh, outside of that or related to that. But, I mean, Jay Monahan's going to be involved in golf. I think he's too connected at this point and sound, you know, but uh, again, we don't, you know, we just don't know how it's going to unfold and what it's going to look like two, three, four years down the road. So it's the uh, FedEx St. Jude. It is the first round of the FedEx cup playoffs. And, uh, 
This is uh, it's one thing you can always guarantee with the placement of this event, the time of year it is, where it is. It's going to be hot. <laughs> it is going to be really hot. Uh, and uh, you know, but players seem to like this course though, and like this event beyond, you know, when it was in the the FedEx Cup deal. I mean, by and large, players seem to like uh, TPC Southwind. So uh, the ball striking that remains. The supreme uh, weapon in Memphis, does it not? It does. Yeah, this is a, a golf course with littered with water hazards. Um, pretty sure the most golf balls into the water, something all amateurs, all of us can relate to, uh, losing a sleeve um, is not hard to do here. Uh, th- it's, a, it's a tricky KPC course uh, with some pretty healthy rough um, Bermuda rough as anyone who, who plays uh, golf at this time of the year is, is also familiar with. And um, you, you have to be, you have to be pretty dialed in. Uh, the greens are not huge. They're, they're kind of segmented. So you're going to have to have a good short game. Um, and uh, we've seen first time winners here the last two years, two years ago, Abraham answer is now on the live tour played this as a world, when it was one of the world golf events. And uh, won in a playoff. And then last year, of course, Will Zalatoris finally breaking through in dramatic fashion with huge pot on the 72nd hole. And then again, in uh, kind of a wild playoff there and um, breaking through for his first PGA Tour victory. So it'll be, uh, you know, maybe Cameron Young is a guy to keep an eye on this week if that trend continues. But I do think it's a, uh, you know, it's a good course in, in which all styles can compete. But, um, you're, you're going to have to drive it accurately, maybe not, you know, power not quite as important, and uh, be, be dialed in with your iron game for sure to, to hang around. I like this this course because generally the scoring doesn't doesn't get too out of hand here. You right. know, right. Um, uh, a couple under a day is, is a it, it puts you right in position going to the weekend. Ball really carries and flies pretty well too uh, at this course. Brian Mull's with us at BG Mull. Where you could follow him on Twitter. All right, uh, top ten according to the odds makers, uh, top to bottom: Scheffler, Rom, McElroy. That's a given. Uh, and then Cantlay, Shoffley, who I kind of like, and I know we know you love uh, Victor Hovland, <laughs> who I kind of like uh, this week. Uh, Colin Mac uh, Morikawa, Colin Morikawa, uh, Terrell Hatton, Fairway Jesus, Tommy Fleet. Wouldn't the Ricky Fowler rounding rounding out the top ten, uh, along with Sam Burns and uh, Tony Finau, as far as uh, select odds to win according to the book I'm looking at for all, all for entertainment purposes only here in North Carolina, of course, uh, who do you like and, uh, and, and why? Yeah, I like Sam Burns. Um, going, you know, I like some names a little deeper down the, the board. Uh, I mean, certainly you can always make a case for, for Rory and uh, Scheffler. I mean, any week that's not hard to do, but, but Burns was kind of a guy that I, that I circled. He has a great track record in the South. Uh, he has a great track record on Bermuda Greens. Uh, he's the number one putter in the field on Bermuda Greens. Coming off a solid week last week, kind of been an up and down year for him. Won the match play, but um, not not the most consistent season. But uh, seems to be rounding into form a little bit. Lost here in a playoff. Was in that playoff with uh, Answer and Matsuyama a couple of years ago. So has some good course history. Um, I, I like uh, I like Morikawa. Um, I, I'm a sucker for Morikawa. He, uh, he, uh, his putter is just so volatile. He has moments where it looks like it's headed in the right direction, but uh, I just feel like his ball striking 
And uh, I mean, here's a guy that hasn't won in, in a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, I just, I just think that like, he's too good of a player. I know he's, uh, he, he hasn't really been in a slump. He just hasn't been able to put it all together. So I'm, I'm thinking, you know, at, the, at those odds, maybe worth a shot there. And uh, Wyndham Clark, look, Wyndham Clark can win big boy events. Um, Wyndham Clark won. He'd be the elevated field at Wells Fargo on, on similar type greens. He, he uh, certainly what he did at the U.S. Open. And, um, you know, he played pretty well at the, the Open Championship the first couple of days. And the weather, I think, got him a little bit. But, uh he um he's a guy that, that I think is still being undervalued uh, based on uh, I think he's a top ten player yeah. in the world based yeah. on what he's done this year. Uh, Brian, what do you think? Uh, last two winners, last two times out, uh, Lucas Glover and Lee Hodges. Uh, just great, great stories. Yeah, Lee Hodges is a guy, you know, Alabama guy. I kind of had an eye on him. Um, you know, kind of just finding his way on the tour the last couple of years, and then just that performance was incredible. I mean, some of the golf shots he hit, uh, you know, not the most challenging course or the strongest field in the world, but still, you've got to go out there and execute. Well, you got to win. To, you got to win. Yeah. I mean, and, and to go wire to wire on the PGA Tour and, and just to uh, really not even be challenged or threatened on the weekend um, just by, by hitting one great golf shot after and answering the bell, uh, very impressive. And then Lucas Glover, what a great story. Certainly, uh, Lucas has, has been out here grinding a long time. He's had well-documented struggles with the putter. Uh, he's made an adjustment, made a change to that a couple of months ago, and, and has had some good results. And, you know, a, a guy with deep roots in the Carolinas, played course at Clemson and have his family there. Uh, I think just a, a very representative champion of the Wyndham. And, uh, good, you know, hats off to him. Uh, it's nice to see those guys in such a young man's game, it's nice to see those guys a little later on uh, in their career to, to, to have a resurgence. Uh, Brian Mole with us uh, here talking golf. Uh, obviously, uh, Justin Thomas should not be participating in the Ryder Cup. And if Bryson DeChambeau does not, there's something really wrong with that selection process. And you could say, well, he shot 58 at the Greenbrier course, but, I mean, he still shot 58. He shot fifty-eight. Yeah, you, you could not. You could not. He shot fifty-eight with a bogey. He, 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 you could not to win. You could not convince me ever that there's twelve more talented golfers in the world than Bryson DeChambeau. Um, he went through a, a a strange transition where he tried to, uh, you know, he's a his brain, the way it works. He experimented and, and tried to thinking he could cheat the game with power and he learned that that was not good for him physically or long-term for his golf game. Uh, he has re, you know, kind of stepped back off of some of that. He's still one of the longest hitters, obviously, if not the longest, but, but he's, he's using discretion and uh, his record speaks for itself. U S open champion, NCAA champion, U S amateur champion. I mean, uh, multiple tour winner. He, he should be on the team. Uh, he, he's a guy that I trust in a pressure situation, the moment's not going to be too big for him. Um, and, and let's be honest, that's what it comes down to in match play. So many times, can you hold that, especially on foreign soil? Can you make yeah. that eight foot putt when all the heat's on, when it's the difference between your team winning a half a point or no points. And those are the matches that ultimately decide that, that cup. Uh, I, I would have him on the team. I, I think Burns is a guy that, 
is going to have a nice run here through the playoffs and 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 put himself in a position to be picked by uh, by Zach Johnson. Um, you know, obviously Spieth is a lock, uh, even though he's just outside the points. And and I would assume that Max Homa, based on his performance in the President's Cup last fall in Charlotte, would uh, would certainly be a worthy pick. He's another guy that I trust with the putter and, and who seems to thrive on the on the competition and now has a little bit of experience. So, uh, the, you know, Fowler, Fowler's probably going to make it. Um, so really we're, there's only, you know, we're talking, we're talking one spot there, uh, for, 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 uh, Zach Johnson to kind of figure out. And I'm sure he's waiting to see what ha- unfolds the next couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brian, last thing for you here, Brian Mole with us, uh, you're, you're doing, uh, you're neck deep in preseason basketball work right now for uh, the different publications, Blue Ribbon and others. Uh, obviously, the big topic this week has been this week has been conference realignment. It's driven by football, and I got to imagine a lot of the basketball coaches out there uh, at all levels. I mean, because you talk to all of them, uh, have very unique takes on this entire thing. Well, that's one thing I'm realizing in in like everybody's situation has always been different. You know, like uh, everybody doesn't recruit the same ways and the same, it doesn't have access to the same players. But but now we're just seeing that divide, even at the mid-major level, grow wider and wider as some schools really go all in to the NIL world and are very uh, open admissions policies for being able to access the best players in the transfer portal. Obviously, those two things go, go hand in hand. And then other schools that are just uh, not able to basically play that game. And um, coaches are having to figure out the best way to, for it to work in, in their system um, and uh, just wondering how they can remain competitive knowing that uh, there's a very good opportunity that if they identify a talented high school player who may be under the radar, if he comes in and has a good year or two, that he's certainly going to get swooped away by someone who can – can uh, make a, make an offer. That's always been an issue, but it just seems like it's intensified now, and we're going to even start to see some divide in within these you know conferences below the Power Five level, where uh, certain certain institutions have opted to to again uh, make NIL a priority and have the means to do so, and others just are simply are not participating whatsoever. Um, so uh, all these coaches are trying to figure that out. You know, they're all trying to do the same thing that our, our friend Mike Bray said. They're all trying to get old and stay old. And that's easier to do at some places than others. Hey, Brian, thanks a lot. We'll uh, talk to you uh, next week, I hope, as we get to the second round of the uh, golf postseason. Good to talk to you. Look forward to it. Everybody uh, enjoy the rest of your week and the golf. Yep, we will do that. Uh, Brian Mull, follow him on uh, Twitter or X at uh, BG Mull there. Uh, we uh, have a little more on uh, pirate practice today for you, uh, kind of a uh, day where East Carolina went through things as far as the install for the first scrimmage on Saturday goes, so a lot of that uh, today uh, as they kind of uh, grinded their way, as uh, Steve and I go put it on uh, 247 Hoist the Colors uh, this afternoon. Uh, so a little bit on uh, that from uh, Hoist the Colors and a little bit uh, more from uh, a school you won't believe. Well, you probably will believe, but uh, there is a school in the ACC that is pushing extra hard, according to reports, to have uh, Cal and Stanford in 
included. And it's a pretty interesting uh, deal. So we'll uh, give you those details uh, coming up on the other side of uh, this time out here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Here it is uh, the Patrick Johnson Show. A few more minutes uh, here today. Brett McMurphy citing a report from uh, Larry Williams from Tigers Illustrated, which uh, covers the Clemson Tigers. Notre Dame, who, of course, is an ACC member in all sports, but football is apparently, as uh, this report is putting it, quote, pushing hard for the ACC to add Stanford and Cal. So that's pretty interesting. Of course, Notre Dame for years has played Stanford in a regular season uh, meeting in football. Does this uh, lead the ACC any closer to getting Notre Dame as a football member? Probably not, but it is interesting that the sport that Notre Dame is most linked in, uh, linked to with uh, Stanford is football, and that they as a non-football member, but a member in all the other sports is pushing for that. So read into that what you may. We'll have Brett McMurphy, uh, or had Brett McMurphy earlier in the week. We'll have Brett Friedlander tomorrow to uh, talk about that. In case you missed it, Pitt County softball team, another big victory today. Uh, They just uh, dismantled the Ohio team, the Central Region champs. uh, Did it in three innings, in fact, today. 16-1 was the final, had a huge first inning. And uh, came out with a lot of energy, and uh, that's two wins in about a 12-hour span uh, where this team was on the brink of uh, elimination, and now they uh, will get an off day before they'll resume activities on uh, Friday and uh, try to get to that uh, purple bracket final in the uh, Little League Softball World Series uh, on uh, on Saturday and then uh, would play for the whole enchilada, as it were, on ABC on uh, Sunday. So that is uh, the latest from there. Uh, Again, there'll be a couple of uh, these uh, pro softball games that'll be played tomorrow afternoon and evening coming up at the uh, uh, at the um, um, it'll be (laughs) a lot going on in here uh, that will be coming up on um, uh, uh, tomorrow from ECU's uh, softball stadium. Sorry about that. All right. Uh, news today out of the uh, state of Texas involving ECU and uh, Rajay Harris, one of 75 players that's named to the Doak Walker Award watch list. Uh, that released uh, earlier today. Uh, and uh, the forum annually presents the award to the nation's top running back. Of course, Harris was limited to just the five games last year because of that season-ending season ending ACL injury against South Florida, uh, but uh, was productive at his time in there. Of course, uh, out of South Carolina and it rushed for 1,445 yards uh, the season prior and uh, was named the uh, Rookie of the Year in the American in that uh, shortened 2020 uh, season. So... Uh, the Doak Walker Award, top 75 list, best running backs, uh, rightfully so, and uh, happily so. Uh, Rajay Harris is on that list. Uh, they will present the award on the Home Depot College Football Awards uh, in uh, December. That will be uh, coming up. So we got a couple of minutes uh, here, uh, some things to tell you about in case uh, you were not with us earlier. Uh, as far as uh, what we've got the next couple of days, obviously we're keeping an eye on what Uh, the ACC may or may not do, and uh, we'll have that for you tomorrow with the guy who covers the ACC like uh, no other. Brett Friedlander will be on the uh, show. 
Uh, Brett from uh, Saturday Road uh, covering the ACC will be uh, on the program coming up uh, tomorrow. Also uh, happening uh, tomorrow, uh, we'll be uh, hearing from Coach Houston, second day of uh, a full padded practice for the Pirates this week in advance of their uh, – their scrimmage coming up on Saturday. So uh, we'll hear from Coach Houston in our Pirate Report. So a big program tomorrow as far as uh, all of that goes. Also, uh, Friday, we're going to be back here again uh, in our video space at 10 a.m. So make note of that if you uh, like to watch us on uh, Facebook uh, or Twitter or YouTube. Uh, we will uh, have the show posted uh, probably around 11 because we're going to begin it at 10. Steve Logan will be the guest in that show. We've got some other special guests uh, to tell you about too, uh, but Coach Logan will be with us on that particular day, and it'll be a lot of fun to have uh, him uh, as he will start his uh, show two weeks from Friday here in the afternoons at 5 o'clock on 94.3 The Game and also Talk 103.7 WTIB and uh, Talk 96.3. We'll be back in the morning for you on Talk of the Town. Looking forward uh, to that tomorrow uh, on uh, Talk 103.7 and uh, Talk 96.3. Also, we will uh, be back uh, with you right here tomorrow for a Thursday edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. All right. Have a uh, great rest of your evening, everybody. And uh, for Clark Willis, I'm Patrick Johnson. Thanks to Brian Mull for taking some time with us. And uh, we'll greet you tomorrow. In the morning on Talk of the Town, as I said, and uh, coming up on the Patrick Johnson Show uh, here at 5 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Have a good evening, everybody.